Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 101, The Natural Man. Welcome to another great week. We're going to make it that way, aren't we? We're going to make it a great week. We've been doing six weeks of social distancing. Depending on where you're living, that might be changing this week. And so good things are to come. I want to give you an update as to the good things that are happening here at Sister Scriptorians. I have opened up my coaching services to women ages 18 and older. So every Thursday at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, we have been meeting together. We're on the fifth week of doing so, discussing the characteristics of God and how they apply to us and how they are actually the tools that we can use to be able to use our agency like we want to, to be able to create the things in this world that we desire, to tackle the circumstances that we encounter, and to be conquerors of those circumstances. If you're interested in being a part of this coaching service, go to sisterscriptorians.com and sign up to be a Sister Scriptorian. I then send you out an email with the meeting ID and password for that Zoom call. So that's happening on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, this Tuesday, I'm beginning a program geared towards young women ages 14 to 18. I am opening these services free to my listeners. And again, if you are interested in having your daughter be coached, send me an email at carrie at sisterscriptorians.com and we'll get you hooked up. Also, I've added to the Sister Scriptorian website a tab called Confidently Creating, where I will post here and there tidbits on how we can use our agency in a more powerful and a more precise way. So check that out anytime you want. And of course, there's always the Sister Scriptorian Facebook page that I encourage you to follow and like and come and add your comments about the different episodes you're listening to and the things that you're finding helpful. Okay, let's talk about the second half of Mosiah chapter 3. Last week we pondered on the nature of God. He is the Lord omnipotent, all-powerful, yet He submitted Himself to the pains of this world, going about doing good, suffering for our sins, submitting to the will of the Father, and being meek and humble, patient and loving throughout all of it. Now King Benjamin introduces us to the antithesis of Jesus Christ, and that is the natural man. The natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. So if the natural man is the enemy to God, that would mean that the natural man would desire to thwart God's plan to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man. And he'll use all of his tools to get us to lose sight of that purpose and that goal. He'll discourage, he'll deceive, he'll distract. He'll fill us with false teachings about ourselves and he'll lead us in the opposite direction than where God desires to lead us. Our work here to do on earth is to decide which end of the spectrum are we going to move towards. We chose to come here to earth and to receive a body. And now our work to do is to decide Who are we going to allow to influence us? 
Who are we going to emulate with this body and this gift of agency that we've received? Will we choose the natural man or will we put him off and choose God? Now I could spend weeks, months even, of podcast episodes on this topic, teaching about the natural man, learning to identify it, developing strategies to overcome it, because it is the work that we're here to do. But thankfully, King Benjamin teaches us simply. And remember, these truths came from a heavenly messenger, an angel that awoke Benjamin to tell him these things that he needed to deliver it to his people. And one of those things was how we can put off the natural man, that we must yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Become a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ, or in other words, to set ourselves apart and separate ourselves from the world's ways, and to become as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, and willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us, even as a child doth submit to his father. This, Sister Scriptorians, is our daily, our hourly, our minute-by-minute work to do. But let's back up for just a minute, and let's go all the way back to our infancy. (laughs) Did we come with the natural man already in us? Did we already come here to earth defeated and at a loss, having succumbed to the natural man? The Lord has made it clear regarding the salvation of his children. We came to earth pure. Or like verse 16 states, little children are blessed. The blood of Christ has atoned for their sins. He, the omnipotent, that all-powerful being that we worship, has provided a way in which little children are taken care of. And if an infant should die in their infancy, their soul does not perish. In fact, we learn later on in Mosiah, Mosiah chapter 15, that little children will have eternal life. We don't come to this earth automatically fallen just because Adam fell. We come redeemed from the foundation of the world. And it is so until we reach the age of accountability, which we have learned from modern day revelation is eight years old. It is at that point and forward that our choice is either moving us towards the Savior or away from Him. King Benjamin teaches that men drinketh damnation to their own souls. So in other words, we have our own personal fall through our own transgressions and our own sins. Remember our second article of faith. We believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgressions. I don't know if we especially those of us who have been born into the church, I don't know if we truly appreciate how revolutionary this revealed truth is. But I want you to imagine holding a newborn baby and what your natural instincts tell you about this soul that is in your arms. Your instincts will tell you that it is good, that this soul is perfect, And the gospel of Jesus Christ affirms that. Your instincts will tell you that their innocence is sacred and it is acceptable for them to be taught and directed, which is also a truth that the gospel affirms. 
it shows the magnitude when we say that God is omnipotent because he has the salvation of his children covered. It shows the Lord's mercy and his love towards them because he knows it would be cruel to hold this little infant responsible before they've been taught right from wrong, adequately modeled on how to govern their body and given the chance to choose for themselves to love Jesus. It shows he knows his creations and what they are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually capable of processing and pursuing and accomplishing. It also shows how much he honors the agency that you and I have been given, that we must choose for ourselves. And it's a process, not to be done in one fell swoop or to be done to us or for us while still an infant. But it's to be done when we've been given a chance to learn of him and to know him and then to develop a love for him. It's that love and that understanding of God's purpose that motivates us to be able to put off the natural man in the first place. If we didn't have that love and we didn't have the knowledge of where God or what God is trying to do for us and turn us into and help us become, what would the point be? Why would we desire to deny or put off what naturally rises within us? It also proves that the Lord's judgment is just. Just like King Benjamin said, because how unjust would it be to come to earth already damned and not even capable of doing anything about it and then to die in that state? Yet, that's what many of God's children, especially during Joseph Smith's time, that's how they viewed their beginnings in this world. The Book of Mormon rejects the notion of original sin and makes it clear that we must have our own personal fall. But there again, the Book of Mormon saves the day. We aren't left to linger in our sins. Instead, we're taught that in order to find redemption, we must humble ourselves and become as little children believing that salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. Otherwise, it's at the opposite end of the spectrum that we'll find ourselves worshiping and lingering in. It's the natural man that we will have succumbed to. It's pride and everything opposite of those childlike attributes that we're taught to strive for and to become like. In chapter 3 of Mosiah, King Benjamin teaches those good, good people that had gathered to hear him that the natural man is an enemy to God. And just like love can be found within all of us as we yield to the enticings of the Holy Ghost, the natural man also has influence in us as well. It's like our own personal continuation of the war in heaven. So who are you going to let win? Truthfully, sometimes the natural man can be alluring and attractive. The world teaches us that to be powerful, we must be bold, self-serving, assertive, and sometimes even harsh. 
if the circumstance calls for it. Yet following this doctrine opens us up to jealousy, competition, arrogance, and hatred. Anger rages in our hearts. That's our motivating energy that we operate from. And forgiveness becomes difficult. Bridling our passions becomes burdensome and of no purpose. And we respond with our lower brain, the one that is more concerned about survival and reserving energy and seeking pleasure instead of pursuing and putting forth the effort that it takes to pursue holy paths, because it does take effort. The natural man is ego-driven, concerned for itself instead of others. It is the place where pride is housed, enmity towards God and enmity towards fellow men. Where the world teaches that success is found in being assertive, strong, forceful, and prideful, the Lord teaches that the greatest that there is to be gained comes to us as we humble ourselves and become like little children, which again we become as we yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and separate ourselves from the world's views. And it comes to us each and every time we use the atonement of Jesus Christ and believe on his name and then repenting and separating ourselves from the natural man, and then putting upon ourselves the teachings and the attributes of Jesus Christ, which Benjamin referred to as childlike, and that is being submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, and willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict on him. Wow. So let's break that down because if you're like me and you're prone to spiciness, that list can feel daunting. So let's start with submissiveness. The natural man in us would whisper to us that no one should tell us what to do or be an authority over us. Be your own person, forge your own course, and rules, restrictions, and roadblocks are for sheep. And to a certain degree, rebelliousness has been sort of admired in our society. We've sort of admired the person who can't be told how to live and who live kind of on the edge of social norms. They kind of have this cool factor about them and they create the new ideas to follow and they have the charisma to actually charm us into following along with them. They are seen as cool, exciting, and admired for beating to the rhythm of their own drum. They live a little dangerously, a little on the outside of the limits of earthly or heavenly law. And it's sort of enticing as they show up oppositional to authority and defiant to social norms and standards. We mistake what they're doing as confidence. We mistake it as strength. And we even see it as living life with authority. No one is going to tell them what to do. No one's going to tell them what's right or wrong. But what does it sound like? not being submissive in our own hearts and minds. It sounds like resentment for commandments and seeing them as restrictions or annoyance at authority and always seeing ourselves as the exception to the rule. It's finding opposition and being contrary, leading to be argumentative, defiant, aggressive to instructions or suggestions and not finding the need to be tempered or obedient 
We show up in arrogance and bring a contention to our relationships. We resent being told what to do or how to be, and we fight to be right instead of aiming for harmony. Submissiveness, however, is being ready to conform to the authority of God. It is meekly obeying His commandments and submitting our will to follow His. King Benjamin showed the submissiveness of Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to the will of the Father, following him in exact obedience and directing everyone back to the Father. Submitting himself to the wickedness of men, allowing himself to be falsely accused by the earthly courts and to even be crucified. Jesus was the example of submissiveness, meekness, humility, patience, and love. And as we move through the other attributes, notice how submissiveness is the foundation of being able to attain all the others and how they each blend into one another, one being used to define the other. Next is to be meek, to have a broken heart, and being willing to follow gospel teachings. They seek after righteousness and therefore they choose to adapt their thoughts and their feelings and their reactions accordingly. The meek endure injury with patience and without resentment. They're gentle with others and quiet sometimes and they place their confidence and their trust in the Lord. It's different than what the natural man would have us do. The natural man teaches us that the way to deal with hurt caused by others is to be brash rude, bold, and loud, maybe to even take the first stab instead of waiting for them to punch you first, and showing up in arrogance, to create unequal footing, to make them believe that maybe you're better than they are. Or when offense is made, the natural man says, hold on to that resentment and be unforgiving. Don't be weak. Make them pay and be unyielding in the face of contention. That's how you protect yourself. That's how you show them you're strong. The natural man would have you puff yourself up in an armor with thick layers of hard-headedness and defiance and kind of a know-it-all attitude that pushes away any opportunity for the spirit to teach you, to course correct, to expand in love, to be tender, to see possibilities of solutions, and also to see the greatness in others. To be humble, you must be meek. And meek isn't weak. Once you are meek and humble, you desire to submit your will to God's. And we all know the wrestle that that can take. That isn't weak. Humility is to be teachable. It includes recognizing that we completely depend on God and all of his goodness. Such knowledge changes a hard heart into a soft and a meek heart. It is refusing to be narrow-minded and it requires us to walk away from pride and to align ourselves with God or to place ourselves in another man's shoes. It blows up the value that the natural man places on independence, the kind that leads to an immodest life like humble brags and loud living and boasting and showy apparel and things. Instead, the humble are modest in their dress, in their speech, and where they place their desires and their ambitions. They know that it is God who is the giver of all good gifts, that they can be richly blessed, and that they are dependent on their maker. 
And they're also dependent on others. That that's the magnificence of God. That he's made us to need one another. Yes, he wants us to be self-sufficient. So that we can weather the storms of life. But also so that we can have the capacity to serve others. Yes, he wants us to go and live a good life and use our time and our talents and resources to grow, expand, and become. But the humble realize that they are independently dependent upon God. And that that partnership is what moves us away from the teachings of the natural man and into the rest of the Lord. The humble desire to know his teachings And they admit that they do not know all things, but they are teachable and they're ready to learn. And they attempt to eliminate the complex, the complicated, and everything that is contrary to him. And they leave space for him to speak to them plainly. And with this submission, the Lord makes the humble become the great things of his kingdom. All of this cannot be done without patience. (laughs) or the capacity to endure delay of our expectations or anticipated blessings and the good things in this life. It is to endure the trouble that will inevitably come our way, the opposition that will arise, because there is opposition in all things. Where else do you think the role of the natural man would live? And patience is the capacity to endure suffering. It is to do it without being angry or frustrated or anxious, or in other words, fearful, which are all indications that the natural man in us is beginning to surface and to seek power over us. But by seeking God's will and accepting things like his timing and trusting that all things are working out for our good and that he will eventually, in his perfect timing, fulfill all his promise to us, This strips us of the demands and the impatience, the frustrations and the agitations and the intolerance that the natural man resorts to. Now, I know patience is sort of like a swear word to some of us. Our minds tend to remember when we weren't as patient as we could or should have been. We only remember when we gave way to the natural man. But what about the times you didn't, when you patiently submitted to the circumstances that you found yourself in, when you endured your disappointments with maybe tears of grief, not enmity, but you submitted to what the Lord placed in front of you, or when you felt the natural man rise up in you, you observed the thoughts that your brain offered that were destructive and full of darkness, but you looked towards God. And you said you chose him, and you did, and you strived to go there. I have felt the love of our Father whisper to me that I'm being more patient than I realize, and I know that this would go for you as well, that he is pleased when we do course correct and come back to him and endure whatever life gives us. We as humans have been given this marvelous gift, the gift to not be a victim of the natural man and its instincts, but the gift to chart our course back to God and back to Jesus. And when we do so, we are acting as our best selves and we are love. 
we are closer to the image of Christ who is love. We experience natural and uplifting affection for God's children. We appreciate the goodness of God and we see the mercies that have made us mighty and that have delivered us over and over again. And we appreciate and see the goodness of him all around us reflected in the eyes of his children. Our devotion is strong to his ways because we love him and have increased in our capacity to have friendship with him. And we have gentle hearts that are filled with tenderness. We care for others and we improve our ministering efforts to whoever needs it, which we know everyone does. When we have become as little children, we can therefore now hear the enticings of the Spirit more fully. And then we recognize that in order to get to this point, we have had to be hearing him all along, yielding to the promptings and the teachings that the Spirit was giving us. We have put off the natural man in order to experience the delight and the love of God. We have forsaken the sins that hold us back. We've repented and leaned on the Savior so that we can use his atonement to clean us up and to lift our burdens. And just like he promises, we then receive his forgiveness. And that's where we're going to end for today. And forgiveness is where we'll pick up next week. This week's ponder prompt is to learn the definitions of these childlike traits that lead us to submission, that help us to become saints and followers of Christ. I want you to observe yourself this week. Notice when the natural man rises up within you. Notice that opposition that is within all of us that gives us this wonderful opportunity to daily and consistently choose Christ. I want you to notice the thoughts you have, how they're painful, at odds with God, at odds with His ways, His teachings, and the truths He knows about you. Notice the feelings that these thoughts cause to rise up in you, how they're heavy And they're contrary and they cause you to want to isolate and feel weak. How they harden your heart and cause you to shrink or to act inflated, both in ego and in temperament. Then compare yourself when you're submitting. And when you're weak and humble, patient and acting in love. How your heart feels expanded. How you feel at ease. How you may not know the how, but you trust God and it feels good. How you can learn more easily now and repent more quickly. How you can see others through more merciful eyes and even allow understanding of yourself to flow in. You don't need to hide anymore because you're willing to accept yourself and accept the point that you're at on your journey. Which is a covenant keeper. A daughter who has taken upon herself the name of Christ and isn't shy to own everything that that means. Sister Scriptorians, observe the natural man in you, the tightness it brings, the fear that arises, the reactive and false behaviors it brings, and then choose to submit. Listen and respond to the enticings of the Holy Ghost. Let go of the complicated and complex and become meek and humble and patient and full of love. Love brings out the best in all of us. And this is where the Lord desires to lead you.